I want to invite you right now, my friends, to invite somebody else to join in. Give them a text. Give them a call. Say, join life-changing worship. Uh, And then, if you would, find this sheet of paper. It's entitled, Keep Praying. We have a mighty important opportunity today. We want to hear from the very heart of the Lord Jesus Christ as we come to Luke chapter 11. So, download this piece of paper. Keep praying. Get your Bible out. Find Luke chapter 11. And let's come now to God's living Word. I also want to point out that phone number on the screen. If you need prayer support, these numbers will take you straight to me. And if you want to be encouraged or you want to be an encourager, if you've got a decision to make, if you want to rearrange some parts of your life, if you want to start again, let us know. But use that number to make a new start. You give us a text or a call, and uh, we would be back in touch with you immediately. God bless you. Well, let's plunge into it. It's interesting. The disciples came to Jesus one day, and they made a very unique request. They did not ask Jesus, uh, Lord, would you teach us how to multiply bread? Or would you teach us how to raise the dead? Would you give us some lessons in leadership or communications? You know what they asked? They recognized that at the core of the power of Jesus was his prayer life, his ability to connect with God. So they said, Jesus, right here in Luke 11, would you teach us to pray? So let me ask you a question. How strong is your prayer life? Is your prayer life, if it was compared to a bench press, is it strong and vibrant? Or is it weak and puny, virtually non-existent? (laughs) If it was compared to a bench press, would you lift a little, like the 90-pound weakling, or would you lift a lot? You know, I've been a prayer warrior for a long time, and so just when you look at my physique, you may not pick up on it instantly. But I tell you, I can work out when it comes to these muscles of prayer. I've been working them out for a long time. Let me remind you of something. Would you make this note? Prayer is a learned skill. That's why the disciples said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Now, Adam and Eve probably inherently were hardwired to talk to God in the garden. Jesus was hardwired to talk to his Father. If you look at the life of Jesus, it's framed in prayer. Track Jesus, and you see Him constantly in prayer. In Mark 1.35, for instance, the Bible says Jesus arose a great while before day, and He went to a lonely place, and there He prayed. The centerpiece of His life was prayer. He was about to make a big decision. He was about to choose His disciples, so He prayed. He was modeling what He invites us to do. All throughout His life, we see Jesus praying. John 17, he prays the real Lord's Prayer, and he prays, oh, Father, may the body of Christ be one. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he do? He prays. He says, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. When they're driving the nails into his hands, what does he pray? It's a prayer. He says, Father, forgive them. And as he breathes his last breath, after being crushed by the weight of sin, what does he say? He prays, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You see, the life of Jesus was framed in prayer, and the disciples recognized that this was the centerpiece, the vortex of his power. You see, this is a learned skill, and I want to teach you some of the things that God has been teaching me. A number of years ago, I got a phone call that was life-changing. My son Jason called me and said that his precious, beautiful wife had had a life-threatening stroke. 
she had had a rupture in an AVM, an arterial venous malformation that had been congenitally, it had been there since she was a, a baby. It was congenital. It was always part of her brain. And these little pipes in her cranium began to leak and burst, and she was dying. By the time they got to the hospital, they estimated she only had a little bit to live. They plunged her into a surgery, and he called. And I can tell you, my prayer life went to a new depth. When there's an emergency, when there's a crisis in your life, God will give you a, a master's course in prayer. What I learned when Catherine was fighting for her life was that we are utterly dependent upon the Lord. We think we're large and in charge, but really we're small and fragile and frail. So friends, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to grow your muscles of prayer today as we come into God's living Word. And like the disciples, let's echo this request. Lord, teach us to pray. Well, come with me now to Luke chapter 11. We'll go to the 13th verse, beginning in Luke 11, verse 1. And it came about that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, suppose one of you shall have a friend, and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he shall answer and say, do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Look at verse 11. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your transforming truth. I pray that right now You would get me out of the way. I ask that Your Spirit would take over this service. I ask, Father, that You would allow us to hear Your voice whisper into our hearts and teach us how to be prayer warriors who stand in that gap and use our prayers to make a mighty earthly and eternal difference. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, here's the game plan. Let me show you three directives from Jesus' teaching on prayer in Luke 11 that can change everything. Make your prayer life stronger, 
and more effective. Number one, pray with boldness. Pray with boldness. That's what we learned in the first eight verses. Pray with boldness. Uh, This is essentially what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's also recorded in Matthew chapter 6. That's the more familiar version. But at the heart of it is this radical idea, look at it, that God is Father. In verse 2, how does Jesus open up his praying? He says, Father. And there are a number of words in the precise Greek language for Father. But this word is Abba. Abba. It reminds me of how my girls come up to me and they say, Daddy. Oh, I love it when they do that. It's a term of familiarity. It's a term of love and endearment. And Jesus is saying our Heavenly Father is not some sort of divine tyrant. He's not far away and uncaring. He is your heavenly daddy. And this is an invitation to approach your father who guides and provides with boldness. It's a picture of bold access to your heavenly father. Uh, Long ago, I saw a picture that I will never forget. It made Life magazine. It was the picture of President John F. Kennedy in his office. And if you'll look down near his feet, there's a picture of his little boy, three-year-old John John. And that picture is iconic. It's been shown around the world. And in a way, it's a picture of what we all want to do. We want to live at our Father's feet. Here's little John John. He has access to the Oval Office, the most important room on the planet. And there he is at his daddy's feet, just enjoying his father's presence and company. Do you realize that's what God wants you to boldly do? He wants you to boldly come into his presence to access his love, his attention, his ear, his heart. God invites you into bold access of the heavenly throne room, not just the Oval Office. Now, I want you to notice something else here. When we pray, we should be specific. Not only bold, but pray specifically. Uh, He uses in the analogy that you should pray and you should ask for three loaves of bread. That's interesting, isn't it? Ask for three loaves of bread. You, You see, a lot of times we pray very generically. For instance, uh, God bless America. Now, we say that a lot. It's the old 1918 Irvin Berlin great hit, almost a national anthem. God bless America. That sounds good. It's good in a song, but it's not very good in a prayer. It's too generic. Here's a lot better way to pray. Call the leaders by name. Pray for righteousness, for restoration. Pray for revival. Pray for lost friends and loved ones by name. God wants us to pray fervent, specific prayers. And then may I suggest to you that Jesus is telling us here to not only pray specifically, but pray the Lord's Prayer. Oh, for many, many years, for decades, I've learned to pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, here's how it breaks down. It starts, of course, with Father, Father, Abba, and then we praise His holy name, hallowed be thy name. And then there's a prayer of surrender, thy kingdom come. Lord, it's not about my kingdom, it's not about my will, it's not about my agenda, it's all about yours. 
That should be the centerpiece of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. This is a prayer of surrender. And then what does he do next? It's a prayer of petition. Give us each day our daily bread. This is such an important feature of the Lord's Prayer. Years ago, I met a man that deeply impacted my life named Tom Phillips. He had spent nearly 40 years in Africa as a fabulous and effective missionary. He saw thousands of people come to Christ and helped start a church planting movement in the eastern part of Africa. Tom said the key was praying. And he learned to pray the alphabet. And he said, Jay, try this. Pray the alphabet. Start with A and see what comes to mind. So I started doing that. I started keeping a prayer journal. You ought to do that too. And when I pray, I still do it today. I start with Alex Wolf, my daughter. Prompt me to pray for the other kids, Mary Austin, Sarah, Jace, all their spouses, my grandkids, Mary Ruth. You see, I pray for them. And I pray as I begin with Alex, I just pray a circle around her. And I pour in God's protection and direction, His correction. I pour in His love and light. I pray in armor. I pray that God would anoint her eyes that she could see Him and serve Him all the days of her life. Maybe you need to pray that way for your children. But start with A and go all the way to Z, and it will shock you to see what God's Spirit brings to the surface of your attention and what you pray for. So learn to pray the alphabet, and then the whole theme here is persistence. Persist in prayer. Keep praying. Don't give up. There's a precious lady in our church named Martha Williams. And Martha Williams, she's one of my most favorite people. Uh, She actually marched with Dr. Martin Luther King from Selma to Montgomery. She has the most amazing stories of living history. She ate a hot dog one day with Martin Luther King, and now I get to be her pastor. Well, she texts me every day, and she'll text me a version of this message, PUSH. Do you know what PUSH stands for? Pray until something happens. PUSH. Friends, don't be a pushover in prayer, but instead be persistent. Keep on. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't give up. You see, heaven is cheering for you. Push, which means pray until something happens. Have the confidence of the Scripture, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. What does it say? Embed it in your prayer life. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's go from the first directive to the second one. Pray with an action plan. Pray with an action plan. We see that in this call to ask, seek, and knock. You see, these are active verbs. They are not passive. We're called to have this action plan to be people who pray without ceasing. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Live in a prayer mode. It's almost as if you're in a continual conversation with your heavenly Father. In my personal prayer life, friends, I never say amen. I'm just talking to the Lord all day long. He's my best friend. We have a running conversation. We never sign off. But friends, this is a call to action. It's a call to ask, to seek, to knock. For many of you, prayer has become passive. It's become rusty and ineffective. A lot of you pray and you feel like your prayers don't get above the roof of your mouth. They just fall flat to the ground. Well, there's a better way. Make your prayers active. 
it says in James 5, verse 16, that the fervent prayers, that word means boiling, passionate prayers of righteous people, they make an impact. Let me ask you this. Have you ever lost your keys or your cell phone? Have you ever prayed, God, help me find them? Well, it's not good enough to pray. You get up and look. It's not going to drop in your lap. God expects you to do your part. So I'm going to call you to active prayer. And, and let me tell you how it works. Um, I'm going to suggest that you use this little acrostic called cast. You know, I love fishing. And you know what I've determined? If you're good at casting, you're going to be good at catching. So you got to learn how to cast. And then you're going to catch. And, 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 and that word cast is a great acrostic that you need to embed in your intercessory weaponry. Let, let's start right here. C is for confession. Make that note. C is for confession. Uh, there's a petition in the Lord's Prayer that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's a call for cleansing. When I was a boy, my mom would call us for supper. And we lived out in the country and uh, we had livestock. And a lot of times I would be out doing kind of dirty, nasty things. And I can hear her still in the archives of my memory saying, J-Boy, time to eat supper. Clean up. Uh, no telling what I'd had on my hands. So before I came to supper, what did I need to do? I needed to clean up. And that's what God invites us to do. He invites us to confess. Uh, look at the Scripture, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to purify or to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you know that the word confess is a compound word, homo lego? And that means to say the same as, to agree with God about our sins, to confess it, to cleanse it. I like to think of it as God's bar of soap. That's what you need to do. Don't fool yourself with your sin, but instead confess it, clean up, agree with God. That's the place that you start. Remember, God is your heavenly Father, but He's also King of kings, and He's Lord of lords. And before you go into His holy presence, what do you need to do? You need to clean up. All right, let's go to A. There is adoration, adoration. Hallowed be thy name. That is a call to praise. Uh, you know what praise is? Let me just make it super simple. Praise is just bragging on God. Praise is saying, Father, I love you. I think you're the best. I think you're the finest in the universe. Now, let me give you a simple illustration. Uh, we had Father's Day just a, a few weeks ago, and my kids sent me some wonderful gifts and cards, and uh, they profusely bragged on their dad. I like that. I'm going to tell you right now, I like that. Now, friends, the Scripture tells us in Genesis 1 that we're made in the image of God. And that means if we like other people's affirmation and being bragged on, that comes from the fact that God likes it too. So what does God invite you to do? He invites you to praise Him, to adore Him, to brag on Him. Acknowledge that He is your Creator. He is your Redeemer. He is your daily sustainer. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the resurrection and the life. He's your light. He's your way. He's your truth. He's your everything. So praise His holy name and adore Him. And then the S, what does the S stand for? Supply. Supply. Oh, this is a vital truth. 
You see, God is your source. He's your supply of everything. Would you look at Philippians 4.19? Now, you need to memorize this verse. The Scripture says, And my God will supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Friends, talk to God about everything. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 11? Ask, seek, knock. God wants you to constantly be in contact with Him and asking Him to supply your need. Now, some of you are complaining. You say, oh, Jay, you know, I've asked for things and I didn't get it, so I've just kind of given up on prayer. No, you misunderstand. You see, God always answers prayer. He just didn't answer it in the way you want it. God's like a wonderful father. And when you pray, sometimes God, like a good dad, will say no. Sometimes like a good dad, he may say grow or slow. Sometimes if everything's right, he'll say go. <laughs> I, I think about my son, Jason. He's 38 and he lives in Atlanta. Uh, when he was a kid, he was real enamored with the car. And uh, when he was about eight, he started asking me, Dad, can I drive? And what do you think I would say? Think I would just flip him the keys and say, yeah, Jace, take the car out for a spin? I would say, no, <laughs> you can't drive. It's illegal. But then he became 15 and 16, and he, he was able to drive. And one day we were over in Atlanta, and he said, Dad, can I drive? I said, this traffic is crushing. No, you'll get us killed. Uh, you know, it's a, you do have a license, but let's slow and grow. But you know what? He lives in Atlanta now. And whenever I go over there, he says, Dad, you want me to drive? I say, go, buddy. Yeah, you're the keys. <laughs> you know the territory here. That's how God operates. He's a good heavenly father that you can trust, but he'll answer your prayer and he'll supply your need. Trust him to do that, which is the T, thanksgiving. Because you trust the Lord, you thank him. It's like when I talk with people who are going to do a service for me, a lot of times I'll say, friends, thank you in advance for your help and service. I'm expressing that I trust them, that I'm confident in them. That's what the Scripture says we should do on a spiritual level. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For everything, the good and the bad, the sunshine and the rain, the blessing and the pain, and everything. Do you trust God enough to thank Him for your thorns? Paul did. He said, this thorn... It's a messenger from Satan, has a good feature. It was probably some sort of a disease or a defect, a difficulty. We don't know. You've got a thorn, at least a splinter. I've got bunches of them. Do you have the courage and faith to trust God and thank Him for your thorns? Well, He invites you to do so. Paul says, my thorn makes me more dependent upon you. And I invite you to have that kind of faith. Well, let's go to the last directive now. And it's this. After you learn to cast, then realize... You should pray according to God's goodness. The last couple of verses, 11 through 13, are a beautiful picture that says God is not a reluctant neighbor, but He is a providing good, good Father. That's what He's like. He's a good Father. He's a wise dad who protects and provides. Um, that's easy for me to imagine because I had a dad like that. I know not everybody does, but I, I had a wonderful father. I don't have a whole ton of pictures of me and my dad, um, but that's my father when I was in seminary. 
And I have a vivid memory of that moment. I'd come home. It was around Christmas. And whenever I would come home, my dad and I would do special things together. We worked together. When I was a little boy, we spent thousands of hours hunting and fishing together. He was a John Wayne character to me, kind of a hero. But whenever I would leave, he would always reach in his wallet, and then he would give me a wad of $100 bills. He was very generous. He was very kind. And he would say, you know, son, I know being in seminary is challenging. It's costly. I'm so proud of you. And uh, it just uh, touches me to think about it right now, about what a great dad God gave me. But friend, my dad, he's nothing compared to our heavenly father. Think about the best dad on the planet and multiply times infinity, and that's who your heavenly father is. What does it say in Romans 8? If God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not give you all things with him? Friend, if he provides Jesus, he's going to give you what you need. God will meet your need not only physically but spiritually. Look at the last verse. What does it say? If you ask your heavenly Father, what will he give you? The Holy Spirit. Look at this. He will give you the Holy Spirit. This is your ultimate greatest need. It's not physical. It's not relational. It is spiritual. It's forever. That's what makes you a child of the living God when the Spirit of Jesus comes into your life. That's what happened in Acts 2.38. Peter preached about Jesus. The people cried out by the thousands. What do we do now? And what did he say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's just another name for the Spirit of Jesus flooding into you and making you His child. Well, let's wrap it up. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. But did you know that in Revelation 3.20, that the Scripture says Jesus stands at your heart door and He knocks. And He's doing that, I believe, for many of you right now. He is knocking on your heart door. He is saying, open up. Don't go through life alone. You see, you need desperately a Savior. And I want to be with you now and forever. Friend, are you ready right now to say yes to Jesus? Let me help you. Let me be your guide. Simply do this. Turn from your sin and turn from your Savior. Ask Jesus to come into your life, and He will be with you forever. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. Thank you. Jesus, come into my life. I promise that I will follow you every day and all the way. My friend, we believe if you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, that you've been born again, welcome to God's forever family. Now, here's what you ought to do. You ought to say so. The Bible says the redeemed of God should say so. Call or text that number. It'll come straight to me. Call or text that number right now and just text in yes and give us your name. Oh, we'll be back in touch with you. We'll pray for you. We've got materials that will help you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't hesitate. Don't think that your mistakes are bigger than the mercy of God. Right now, do what God's Spirit is prompting you to do and text that number. Text in a yes. Call us. Call in your yes. Give us a way to contact you because we want to help you grow in the living Lord Jesus Christ.